0: Hello everybody and welcome to a new episode of my K Drama podcast. Um, today I'm talking about the Korean drama that's called Jirisan. Jirisan, hmm, hmm. That's what I say about this drama. Hmm. Uh alright, so this drama is a 16 episode. Let's say it's a thriller crime drama slash Ghosty supernatural drama with a whole bunch of like survivalist kind of rescue drama stuff thrown in that's an odd combination, right? I thought it was really odd um this drama was really interesting for me um Yeah. Okay. So it it aired, I think it started airing in October, 2021, Um, 16 episodes, like I said, and pretty high profile because of the casting and also because of the writer. So the writer of Jerry San is uh, the same writer who did Kingdom uh, and also Signal, which are, you know, pretty famous dramas. Um, And this writer's name is Kim Eun-hee. So I don't know. If I had huge expectations going in just because I was like, oh, I guess that looks okay. Maybe that could be good. Maybe not. I just wasn't really sure what to expect. Um, I'm going to say that I had a really great time watching this, but I'm not. I'm. If I'm completely honest, that might be more about the circumstances under which I watched the drama than the drama actually being particularly wonderful. I think this was a really odd drama for me and I think I feel slightly complicated about it in that while I was watching it I had a really good time like it was really fun I was uh... I don't know. I don't I wasn't like hugely, hugely invested emotionally in the characters, but there's a lot of like nail biting action and thrilling things happening and like mad mountain rescues. And, you know, I was there on the couch, like gasping and going, oh, no, and like, you know, covering my eyes and stuff. So I was into it. But at the same time, I wouldn't say that this drama got under my skin or that it emotionally, you know, moved my heart at any point, particularly, or that the characters are going to stay in my mind or anything like that. Um, I think visually it looks great and I think there's some fantastic action. And I think at the core, I really like the story, but I guess potentially I'm less sold on maybe the execution, I suppose. So, yeah, really complicated watch for me. and I'm I probably still don't completely know or understand how how this drama made me feel. Uh but I guess I'll get into that when I start, I don't know, unpicking my thoughts later. We will see. Um so my I think my general experience watching jiri um has a lot to do with why I watched it um and kind of how that came about. So because of this, you know, as as a lot of people who've been listening to this podcast for a long time know, uh, when I started this, I was very much so a lone K-drama fan, as in I did not know a single person to talk to that liked K-drama um, at all. I didn't know anybody who I could be like, hey, what about this show? Like, even, you know, texting or over the internet, just nothing in real life. Um, so I've been running this podcast for quite a while, and through this podcast, I have met a lot of fantastic people who talk to me about dramas all the time and recommend dramas to me and tell me their feelings about dramas. And it is amazing. Um, I'm going to presume that there may be potentially quite a lot of listeners uh, listening to me say all that right now who might be in the same position that I used to be, you know, back before I kind of connected with people because of this podcast um, and might be sort of, you know, an isolated K-drama viewer surrounded by people who don't understand your passion. <laughs> well, I understand your passion. And um, luckily for me, very recently, um, I've actually experienced watching a drama with other people. Um, so Jiri-san was actually the very, the, the second drama actually after W, but I was kind of watching these two at the same time, um, that I've ever watched with another human being, um, you know, that wasn't a forced family member is what I'm trying to say. So someone who cares about it in the same way I do is what I mean. So um, I met my lovely friend Lizzie through this podcast and we started watching dramas together. And then after, you know, a very long time, like a year or something of just watching dramas separately and chatting about it, you know, we kind of discovered that Because of the internet and technology, there are better ways to do this, even if you don't live in the same place. (laughs) So, um, this one was a watch party, actually, like, you know, FaceTiming and also watching a drama, like, properly together. And then Lizzie also pulled in a friend of hers who I hadn't met before called Myong, who is Korean, and The three of us watched this drama, Jiri-san, together. I think maybe Myeong actually picked it as she was quite excited because of this writer, you know, this writer who did Kingdom, who's very famous. So I think Myeong had very high expectations. I'm not sure about Lizzie, but I think I didn't particularly have expectations either way. I was just really pleased to be watching a drama with other human beings who were not forced family members of mine. So I think that while I can't say that I adored this drama, I did adore the experience of watching a show with people who are obsessed with K-drama in the same way that I am and passionate about it in the same way that I am. And it kind of felt to me like, you know, if you go to the cinema and Everyone in the cinema is getting into the movie like you can hear them like gasping when something intense happens or, you know, if something scary happens, you feel them all going (gasps) and flinching. And it just like it creates this mood that gets you more into the media than you might otherwise have been if you were just sitting on a couch by yourself watching it. Or, for instance, if you're watching it with people who spend the whole time going, I hate this. (laughs) So I think that that is kind of what happened with me. I just had such a wonderful time watching this show. And I think I got a lot more like invested in all the thrilling stuff that happens in it. And like the fear of, oh my gosh, this person's about to fall off a cliff or, you know, get burned up in a fire or stuck in a mudslide or (laughs) washed away by a flood. Because this shit happens every two minutes in this drama. Like literally (laughs) every disaster that you could possibly think of happens on this mountain range, as well as a shit ton of murders. And I think it's hilarious because um you may already know uh Jurisan is a real place. It's a real place in Korea. It's this huge like net like national park network basically. And the whole time I was watching this drama I was like oh the people who are like responsible for tourism for Jirisan must just be like, Why is this happening? Like, no one's gonna want to come to our National Park Mountain ever again because this drama just literally has people just dropping like flies every two seconds. Someone is just dying, <laughs> it's very unappealing. To the point where a friend of mine in Korea texted me and she's like, Oh, we could go to Jirisan <laughs> if you ever come to Korea again. And I was like, I'm really scared I don't know if I want to (laughs) I might die you guys um anyway so yeah, that was my experience and it was just really, really fun to watch a drama with other people and particularly because one of those people is Korean and was able to kind of give, I think, uh, myself and my other friend Lizzie a lot of insight into Jirisan and Jiri-san like this mountain's history and, you know, some of the stuff that was going on in the drama that might have actually just sort of not stuff that's necessary to know to enjoy it, but just like this little extra info, I suppose, every now and then that would have just run over my head. So um, that was really, really fun. What can I say? Um, So for that reason, I kind of feel like Jiri-san was great, but I'm actually not sure if it was great, (laughs) if that makes any sense. Uh, So that is why I watched Jiri-san. So I'm probably just going to move into the casting now. I really feel like this drama was odd. That is what I think (laughs) of this drama. I just... The, like for ages when I started watching it, I just could not wrap my head around what it was. Like, I feel like so often you start watching something, you're like, oh, this is like a detective show, or this is a serial killer thing, or this is, you know, this is a fluffy rom-com, or this is a mellow, like, you know what it is tonally. And from the story beats, Um so I think I think Jerry san was really confusing because it sure starts out very twisty with multiple timelines, all this stuff going on. And, you know, at first I just thought it was a survival drama, you know, a bunch of park rangers saving people and bad shit happening. But um, it, it's a lot more than that. And it gets pretty weird. <laughs> That's what I think. Um, all right. So cast. I said I was going to talk about cast. I got distracted. Uh, so this drama, jerry Sun stars the actress John Ji-hyun. Um, Jeon Ji-hyun is, you know, very, very famous. What's she been in? She's been in, I was going to say loads of stuff, but actually not loads of stuff. She's done a lot of movies and some of those are like very famous movies like My Sassy Girl, which is a bit of an older one. Um, But she's also so she kind of had a cameo in Kingdom season two at the very end, but she did Kingdom Ashen of the North. So again, written by the same writer. She's also done The Legend of the Blue Sea with uh, Lee Min-ho and also My Love from the Star or My Love from Another Star, where she plays amazingly like crazy actress. Very good. Uh, Which she stars in with Kim Soo-hyun. Um, so I feel like she's a pretty, you know, she's a pretty big hitter in K-drama land. And if she's in a drama, people are going to pay attention. Um, and I think with her, the casting and also this writer, I think there was probably some pretty big expectations for this drama that I'm not into, like, I haven't really followed through on what other people feel about this one and whether there was disappointment with maybe like, you know, domestic Korean audiences or not, but I kind of get that impression that it might have fallen a little bit flat, um, you know, domestically in Korea as well. Uh, so she plays a female lead um, and basically she's a park ranger at the National Park of Jiri, Jirisan in Korea. And she's just Fucking amazing at it. She's very, very good. <laughs> um, and then so this one, the male lead is Juji Hoon. So that's the actor Juji Hoon. And Juji Hoon has been in um, Kingdom. So again, both seasons of Kingdom. And I think some sort of upcoming as I record this like mini Kingdom episode, which I'm that's pretty exciting. More zombies is always good for me. Um, and he he's also been in other stuff too. So he was in dramas called Hyena and Item, both of which I have not seen. Um, a drama called Mask, which I believe I watched a little bit of back in 2015, but I don't think finished. And all the way back to 2006, he was in a drama called Princess Hours, also known as Gung, which was a mad drama, (laughs) a kind of a youth, a very famous sort of youth drama um, where he played a cold prince. Um, I don't know if it's a great one, but it's sort of like one of those formative classic dramas that I'm very glad that I've watched. Um, So there's heaps of other people in this one too. Um, It's really a, a huge ensemble cast actually, and just like a huge amount of characters in general, like kind of peripheral side characters and suspects and victims, like so many people, Uh, to the point where it is a bit difficult to keep track of what's going on because we've got, I think, four timelines, each populated with like 10 to 20 different characters who are all important to a twisting plot. And, you know, about 10 people are murdered. So there's there's quite a lot going on in this show. Um, So some of the other sort of faces that I think, you know, viewers would recognize, um, who have been in a lot of other stuff as well, would be the actor Song Dong-il. So this actor plays, you know, he plays the dad in the Reply series, and he also is just in Everything, like literally every drama. Uh, it also stars the actor oh Jong Se, who plays uh Kim Su Han's brother in It's Okay to Not Be Okay. Um, and then another actor called Johan Han Chu, who is uh kind of a side character, like a an, sort of a over-the-hill pop star in um hometown Cha Cha Cha, one of the, the village dudes. Um, an actress that I hadn't seen before, Ju Min Gong. Um, which I quite liked her role in this, but I I, she, I didn't really recognize her. But apparently, she's in One Spring Night and you know that other one that's basically very similar show, but I can't remember what that one's called. Um, but I haven't seen those yet. I keep meaning to, but I haven't. Um, and also the actress Gomin Shi, who I really really love, and I really liked her in this. Um, she's from Youth of May and you know Sweet Home and other stuff. Um, but she wasn't in this one a huge amount, and I could have done with more of her in it, (laughs) is what I think. All right, so I guess I'm going to talk a bit about setup. Uh, But I guess before I do, um, actually, I just wanted to mention this interesting thing that um, Myeong, one of the friends that I watched this drama with, was kind of saying to us about this drama and about the writer. So as I mentioned, this is a very famous writer who wrote Kingdom and Signal and quite a few very dark, very well-received, you know, almost horror thriller kind of shows. Um, So this is the writer Kim Eun-hee. So apparently Kim Eun-hee is close friends, I believe, with the writer of The King, you know, Eternal Monarch um, and all, oh, sorry, I'm just trying to find her little face. So with the writer, um, what's it? Uh, Kim Eun-suk, who is, of course, the very famous writer of The King, Eternal Monarch, also Mr. Sunshine, Guardian, The Lonely and Great God, um, and also Descendants of the Sun. And so I don't know if Myeong made up this sort of joke or if it's something that people say in Korea or where she read it. I don't really know. Um, but it kind of stuck with me and I thought it was really interesting because she basically said that, you know, the the writer Kim Eun-suk, who does, you know, The King, Eternal Monarch and all these grand romance dramas, um, basically, if she goes goes to a place and feels inspired, she's always thinking, oh, this is, you know, a wonderful place to set a drama. It's a wonderful place to have characters fall in love. And then on the flip side, we have the writer um, of *Jirisan* and also Signal and Kingdom, Kim Eun-hee, who might go to the exact same place and look around and be like, wow, this is a wonderful place to set a drama. This is a wonderful place to see characters die, basically. So I thought that was pretty funny. Like like, two really close friends who are both very famous writers of very, you know, high-profile dramas um, who have very different approaches <laughs> to their craft. So I found that amusing. Uh, all right. So should you watch jiri Sun? Wow. Uh, I feel complicated, and I don't really know how to answer that one. I think usually I'm always like, yeah, totally, watch it. But I... oh like, obviously watch it if you want to watch it. Absolutely. But I don't know. Like, I do have to admit that if if I was talking to someone who was teetering on the edge of being unsure whether to watch this drama or not, and perhaps, you know, perhaps if you really love the actors in it and you want to follow them around K-drama land, then yeah, go for it. If you particularly love this writer, go for it. Or if the concept is like... I don't know, really exciting. And there is a lot of thrilling, exciting stuff that happens in this drama. And I actually think the main plot line, once you kind of figure out what that is and drill down into it, I actually found that really interesting. I think it really worked for me, but I am a little bit uncertain about the execution of it, I think which I felt was a little bit of a barrier to me just sort of sinking in and totally enjoying the whole show because it was quite difficult to follow at times, which and I don't mind that. I don't mind as a viewer being sort of forced to work to enjoy a drama. Like I don't mind things that are very twisty and difficult to follow and you have to think really hard. But I just found that this one was almost so twisty, that I kind of felt it was overcomplicated to the point where maybe it didn't even know exactly what it wanted to be. And just because of that, I feel like it didn't quite hit home. So I feel like unless, you know, there's a particular reason that you want to see this, that you're appealed by the idea of this show, Jiri-san, I don't know. I don't know if I would fully, fully suggest it. Um, It's fun enough, but... I think for just a fully casual viewer who's like, eh, hey, I could take it all easy, leave it, I don't know if I'll try, then I'd probably be like, mm, maybe you'd find something different that might be better. Or I feel really weird saying that. <laughs> I don't like saying bad things about dramas. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a weird one because I don't feel strongly against it by any means, but I also don't feel strongly pro <laughs> Jiri san either. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to attempt to tell you guys a little bit about the setup, but like this drama is bonkers. I don't even know. I mean, I presume it makes sense, but it was very hard to follow. So we'll see if I can, I can make it um, coherent at all. Okay. So the setup of jerry Sun. uh, I honestly have no idea or memory of how the show begins. It has so many different timelines, um, like a lot. I'm pretty sure that potentially maybe it opens on one of the kind of flashbacks. Anyway, I'll just try and I'll try, <laughs> Fuck. I'll try and talk about this in as just a way that hopefully makes sense. Um, but it's, not exactly the way it's presented in the drama, I guess. So basically, we have our female lead Yi Kang. So Yi Kang is played by the actress John Ji Hyun. So Yi Kang has grown up in a small village, right, kind of at the base of Jeju San. She has a big tragedy in her past where her parents have both died in 1995. Big flashback to 1995 in the drama. Um, so both her parents in that year die on the mountain, and she has a lot of hang-ups. As in, she's tried to leave the mountain behind. She's tried to go to um, you know, I think it's soul that she goes through to, to try and, you know, get jobs and live differently and live away from the mountain. And it didn't really work out. And she's come back. And I think kind of against her will, she's been sucked into this position of being a ranger, partly because the head ranger, um, you know, has a soft spot for her. It feels really bad that her parents have died. I think he was kind of involved in that rescue and he feels guilty. Um, And also, you know, I guess this sort of wants to be maybe a bit of a mentor and help her like, stop being such a sort of wayward, troublesome young woman and, you know, maybe settle down and find a home where she could be happy, I suppose. So Yigong lives in, you know, this little village with her grandmother, who's played by, who knows where her little face is in this, oh, the wonderful actress Kim Yong-ok, who's also in hometown Cha 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 and also, you know, a zillion, trillion other dramas. Um, she is a great, great actress. Um, So Yukang is a park ranger. And at the beginning of the drama, I feel that I guess her some of her arc in in this show, really, I suppose, her emotional arc and the the journey that she goes through, like in her internal world journey, is really about the fact that she's sort of fallen into this role on the mountain of doing what she does. And I don't think it's something that she has... um, kind of consciously chosen for herself. And she has a lot of issues. Like she kind of loves the mountain, but she kind of hates the mountain too, because it's, you know, it's a dangerous place and it's taken away a lot from her. Um And I think that her feelings around her parents and her worries about their death have well, obviously wounded her massively. And this is something that she's still carrying through to adulthood, which is some misunderstandings too, about their deaths and about whether they purposely went to the mountain to die or whether it was an accident. And of course, they didn't really want to leave her. Um, So I really liked all this stuff. Um, It comes out very slowly throughout, you know, the whole length of the drama. She's a bit of a prickly character, so it's not like she's sort of letting loose all these details about her immediately. But this is kind of what we grasp as the drama goes on and on. And I found this kind of um, particularly her clearing up these misunderstandings she has around her parents' death was quite a good storyline. I really liked it. And I felt that was quite cathartic seeing her realize, you know, she's been carrying around this wounded bitterness her whole life and it's not true. And just the relief, but also, you know, it's so sad to realize that she misunderstood what happened all that time and felt so hurt by it. Um, so she's had a really tough time, I think. And part of her journey is really her coming to accept that she, she is where she wants to be. You know, she doesn't want to leave Jerry-san and she does love her job and she's good at it. Um, so I thought that stuff was pretty cool. So anyway, Yikang is sort of one of the star, you know, national park rangers, I suppose, at this particular like shelter place or whatever, um, where she works with a whole bunch of other people, other characters. And then one day they get a newbie. So this newbie is played by the actor Ju Ji Hoon, and his name is Hyun Jo. So he turns up and gets assigned to her as his partner, and she is just prickly as fuck. She is not, you know, going to take it easy. She's not going to slow down for him. She's not really going to give him the time of day. Um, But we do see, like, within, I think, the first... maybe the first half of the first episode, like, that, you know, that I think all the park rangers are doing a rescue and there's, like, you know, a whole bunch of rocks that fall down from a cliff face and everyone's like, you know, some dude gets hit and she just goes you know, flying off the side and this amazing rescue of this other guy, basically. But it's to show how dangerous their jobs are, how dangerous jiri is, and that it is a very wild, untamed place where literally anything could happen at any moment. Which, of course, throughout the entire drama, it does over and over again. But I think that the show really wants to hit home that Yes, Gang is very prickly towards newbie Hyunjo, but these are life and death situations and he needs to pull his weight and keep up or, you know, they can't have him there because this place is too dangerous for someone who can't, you know, look after himself and be trusted by the other members of his team. So Hyunjo is, I don't know if he was an interesting character, just because when I really think about it, I don't feel the drama tells us that much about him. <laughs> like, when I really think about it, what was he doing exactly before he turned up at Jerry's? On What relationships has he had? What friends does he have? What is his relationship like with his parents? And we find out, you know, at the very end of the drama, we see his parents, we see his, he's got a sister and I feel like they're not mentioned in the entire drama. They just pop up at the very, very end. And I was like, huh, so he's not an orphan, I suppose. Like he's got some family ties. And I feel like, I feel like really Honjo just remains a real enigma to me throughout the entire drama. And I don't know if that's like it's not a bad thing. I probably didn't really hugely notice because this drama is so action orientated. There's so much going on, and it does dig into Yeonghun's past and into how she's feeling and all this stuff that's going on with her. But I feel like Hyunjo is really just there to almost to try and drive along the plot because he's the one who ends up wanting to investigate this stuff they discover and also. Maybe to act as a foil to Yi Kang, to sort of care about Yi Kang and help Yi Kang come to terms with her own issues and problems. But I don't know how much he's like hugely a character. That sounds weird. Like he's he's on screen a lot, like this guy, and he drives the plot a lot. But at the same time, I still just feel like I don't even know him. And maybe I don't know him as much as some of the side characters who I feel got, you know, quite a lot of characterization um, compared to Hyunjo. So I guess I'm talking about... Um, a character called Gu Yong, played by the actor Oh Dong se And Oh Dong se is that actor um, who was in It's Okay to Not Be Okay, playing Kim Soo-hyun's brother. Um, so he, uh, this actor Oh Dong se plays a very sweet and sort of awkward park ranger who has this mad crush on this other woman who he works with, but he just cannot, like, he cannot get his act together. He cannot pull himself together. He's trying to hit on her, but he's doing everything in really just very silly ways. He keeps asking her to go to really weird events with him and stuff. But he's totally head over heels and their romance and them getting together. And, uh, you know, as a viewer, you being terrified whether she actually likes him back or not and then being so happy when she does. And everything that happens with that romance and those two characters felt, I don't know, like that was probably more what impacted me emotionally than anything really to do with Hyunjo, I suppose, interestingly. And Yikang herself, um, the female lead, she gets, I think there is some stuff that impacted me emotionally with her just because she has this, you know, a lot of sad things in her life. But Hyunjo, yeah, he just really feels like a dude who's walking around and doing stuff. But I don't really know all the time why he's doing it, um, except for the fact that, you know, he's a good dude who doesn't want people to die, I guess, which is, you know, that's pretty good motivation, I suppose. But I don't know, for a lead character, I felt like maybe there could have been some deeper digging there than maybe what we got to see. Um, so anyway, Hanjo's hanging out with Yi Kang on the mountain and, they, you know, I think on his very first day, there's like some mad flash flood or some shit and there's some rocks flying around and everything's like madly dangerous all the time. Like it's either snow season or it's flood season or it's fire season. And we just see all this stuff and it's people just needing to get rescued and dying or getting lost on the mountain and freezing and just crazy shit nonstop. Uh, Which... I don't know, like it, it's, they're almost like side quests, all of these big natural disaster things that the team has to try and face. They they're never really to do with the main plot. They don't really have any long-term impact on the main plot, but they sure make for a flashy, fun episode that had me sort of on the edge of my seat, a bit, you know, nail bitey um, and gasping a little bit. Uh, and we're a bit, you know, a bit scary, a bit adrenaline pumping. And I think Worked well in that way, so I don't know. Like, I don't, it's a weird, I guess I can just say that I enjoyed them and they thrilled me. But at the same time, if I really think about this from like a plot point of view and just go dig back into that idea of like, what is this drama? You know, is it a crime thriller or is it? a survivalist action adventure, because I feel like the drama wants to be both of those things, as well as it wants to be a ghost supernatural magic drama as well. And I don't know if it like interwove all those elements that it wants to be together to make one thing. I almost felt like there was multiple things this drama was. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes sense. Anyway, that's kind of how I felt. So this was when the madness started happening. And this isn't necessarily a bad thing, but I was like, what? (laughs) So we start getting some deaths and stuff on the mountain. And then Hyunjoe he just randomly has some visions. And I was like, oh, okay. He's 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 having visions. I don't have a problem with characters having visions. I'm all for that. But his visions were whack. They were so dumb. I hated them. <laughs> Every time Hyunjo had a vision, it would literally be something as stupid as, you know, a black glove, a drop of blood, a tree. And I'd be like, Okay. So obviously every time he has a vision, he's having a vision of someone who's about to die on the mountain. So he's having this vision because whoever, whatever reason he's having the visions, like I kind of feel like there's this idea that the mountain has something's gone wrong. Someone is doing something bad on the mountain. They're, you know, terrorizing people and murdering people on the mountain is what we find out later. And I think that the idea is that Honjo has been sort of given by the mountain these visions in order to, you know, for him to attempt to stop this person who is what disturbed the equilibrium of the mountain or whatever. And I was like, mountain, can't you give this man some actual coherent visions that would actually help him solve a murder or stop a murder? Because Literally, if you're on top of a mountain and you get a vision of a black glove and a drop of blood and a fucking tree, (laughs) what the hell do you do with that? Like, what do you do with that? What you do with that is absolutely nothing, except every time you see someone in a black glove, you're like, (gasps) and obviously everyone's climbing a mountain. Everyone's wearing a fucking black glove. But what happens is that Hyunjo just you know, keeps thinking about his visions, but he can't do shit about it because they make zilch sense. And then right at the very moment that someone gets murdered and it's all too late, or he's stumbling across the body, he'll see all the signs from his vision add up and realize, this was my vision all along. But by then it's way too late to stop it. And this happens. (laughs) over and over and over in the whole drama so many times. And I was just like, these are the worst visions in the world. Like you would rather not have these visions than have these visions because they absolutely make no difference at all. They do nothing except terrorize poor Hyunjo because he's getting a vision of some awful thing that's going to happen that he knows is inevitably going to happen. But also he's never given enough information to do shit about it other than go and find a dead body and be like, fuck, I messed up again. Or, you know, the mountain messed up by sending me a shit vision. (laughs) Oh, So yeah, I guess, I guess when I, I don't feel like I felt this passionate about how shit his visions were when I was actually watching the show. But I think that's more because when I was watching the show, I kept waiting for the visions to have more of a direct, like, impact on the plot and actually help Hyunjoe solve a problem. But in hindsight, after watching the entire drama, I've realized they never do. (laughs) So, yeah, that was weird. It was really weird. Um, So basically, okay, I'll just try and I'm not going to go into super details, but basically the idea is that people on the mountain die all the time you know, ropes break when they're climbing in illegal areas. Um, People fall off cliffs. Um, Someone gets bitten by a snake. Someone just gets, you know, a heart attack from climbing a mountain. But Hyunjo, I guess because of his visions, sort of begins to realize that something weird's happening. And he starts realizing that for, I don't know how many years, a really long time, five years, ten years? Who knows? A lot of years. Um, if, if he starts looking at all these victims going back, he can see that these accidents were in fact no true accidents. So he comes to the conclusion that there is a literal serial killer crawling around Jirisan, murdering people, and then making them look like accidents. So what I think about this is that that is an awesome plot idea for a show. And how creepy is that? You know, if you think about being a serial killer, I don't know if you want to think about it, (laughs) probably don't guys don't think about this. But anyway, if you're a serial killer, what a great way to be a serial killer, like disguise it all as accidents and do it in like this madly huge isolated place that it's really hard for people to, you know, get to and find you or keep evidence or, you know, stop the elements from, I don't know, washing away your fingerprints or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> um, it was just, I actually thought that was a really smart idea for, you know, for a drama setup. And I guess personally, because I probably did like that idea, I think that actually that idea is pretty exciting. Like Honjo. Kind of forces Yi Kang to help him try and solve a series of serial murder crimes that they can't tell anyone that these are murders because no one would believe them. All the evidence is like circumstantial or from, you know, Hanjo's mad visions. Um, So they can't really get the police involved. On top of this, the likely suspect is one of the park rangers that they work with because who else knows the mountain like they do? Who else had the opportunity? Who else was involved and blah, 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 you know million different reasons. So the watching this drama ends up being really twisty because you're constantly suspecting somebody like one of the people, this huge cast of people that they work with. You're constantly like, was it him? Was it him? Was it him? And even, you know, the the character, the really like shy, sweet guy who's having the romance um played by the actor Oh Jong Se, you were even constantly suspecting him. And then you're going, no, I don't want it to be him. Like he's the most likable character in this entire show. But you can't help but suspect him. So that stuff I thought was really, really fun. Um, so basically, Honjo and Yi Kang, while fighting the elements and every sort of natural disaster that could possibly Ever happen on a mountain happens to them. Um, they're also trying to investigate all these deaths, and they're trying to figure out what connects all these people. You know why? Why all these accidents? Why make it look like an accident? Who are these people? Why are they being targeted? And then um, we don't know what happens, but we know something bad happens because. The drama is presented in split timelines. We're shown all that stuff I just said, you know, Hanjo turning up as a newbie recruit and him hanging out with Yi Kang and them trying to solve the crime. And then we're shown, I think, uh, two years in the future. And Yi Kang is just arriving back at jiri from an extended stay away. And she's in a wheelchair now. Um, so she can't go onto the mountain. And Hyunjo, we find out after a while of just thinking he's gone, um, is in a coma in a hospital. So the two of them have gone up on top of the mountain on a snowy day and no one knows what happened. All they know is that they discovered both of them absolutely covered in blood in the snow. And we kind of, I mean, when you're watching it, you think Ye Kang knows, but she, she doesn't have a clue either. Um, so yeah, it's convoluted because there's so many different timelines going on that have different characters and that to be fair, I felt like maybe the first episodes were extremely confusing because I couldn't figure out what was what timeline or what that meant or what impact that had and I also couldn't figure out if this was a ghost drama or if it was um a crime drama or if it was a survivalist drama and I don't know why it matters for it to be stated clearly to me what kind of drama it is, except that maybe shoving those three things together didn't quite work and it felt kind of haphazard, so I just didn't know what to concentrate on. But once I started thinking, oh, actually, this is a crime drama and it's a mystery, I think that was what I latched onto the most. And I kind of wish that that had felt even more like it was the core of the show, I suppose, because that was quite interesting. All right. I don't know what else to say about the plot. (laughs) I guess we'll get into some of the stuff that I actually did really, really enjoy in this drama. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how this goes. So as I record this, it is actually an extremely hot day where I am. And obviously, because of sound reasons, while I record, I've had to turn off like, you know, all the fans and stuff in the house. And so let me tell you, there is a very hot, very pudgy cat lying on the floor staring at me right now. It looks very, very hot and uncomfortable. (laughs) <laughs> poor thing. I'm just going to ignore her though. Keep talking about Jiri-san. <laughs> All right. So stuff that I enjoyed about jiri Uh, Like I said, I just enjoyed watching this with K-drama friends, with people who appreciate K-drama and care about it. It made me get into this so much more than I, if I'm completely honest, than I think I might have if I'd been watching it alone. Um, I presume I would have finished it, even watching it alone, but probably when I think about the kind of dramas that I love the most, they're ones that really... I love plot, you know, really cool plotted dramas with heaps of, you know, twisty mysteries and exciting, like, you know, ooh, it? like, that's a great hook. But realistically, the dramas that I will get completely sucked into and definitely finish are the ones that emotionally move me. They're the ones that it's not so much I want to find out what happens at the end with the plot, it's I want to find out what happens at the end with these characters. Like, who are these people going to be once they've been through the progression of the drama? And I'm not sure that I had that kind of pull or connection around our leads, Kang and Hyunjo in this drama. So I was interested because I wanted to know who did it. Like I wanted to know who the serial killer was. And I was also trying to figure out why the fuck Hyunjo and his dumb visions was both in a coma in a hospital and also crawling around the mountain as a weird see-through ghost. (laughs) I really wanted to know how that was going to work out and what the fuck was going on. Not sure I was super happy with the conclusion on that one, (laughs) but it was fine. So in saying that, because there was reasons to keep watching this drama, but I was a little bit less emotionally attached than I have been, say, for other dramas. Um, And so watching it with people who, you know, we could all talk about it, particularly because it is such a twisty, turny, convoluted, complicated show. It was really fun to be able to, you know, guess who the serial killer was with other people. Like, super, super fun. So, yeah, I loved that. Um, Another thing I really loved was actually the scenery of Jiri-san. So, I'd heard of Jiri-san before. um, I don't know why in another drama or just from looking at Career stuff. I don't really know travel stuff. Um, but I wasn't, you know, I'm not super familiar with it by any means. I think I just knew there was sort of a big national park up that way. Um, so I loved seeing all the scenery, um, all the views from the mountain and just getting a sense of how vast and wild this place is. I always find this idea so fascinating. Um, and it almost, I don't know, it's like, Sometimes in our lives, I mean, I guess it depends where you live, but if you live in a city or a built up town, you feel very, very connected to the world and to other people. Like you feel like you're just surrounded by humans and by technology. And it makes you feel that humans are, you know, the most important thing on the earth or something. And, you know, it makes you feel safe, I suppose, by being so connected. You know, if if you're in trouble, you can call someone, um, someone will be there in two minutes to help you. And yet looking at Jiri-san and thinking, it makes you think about the world in a different way. It's so vast and it's so wild. And, you know, hopefully it's not quite as dangerous as this drama makes it out to be with like natural disasters and murders happening every literally two seconds. But at the same time, it is still this hugely vast, wild patch of earth. And I, Kind of like the way that makes me feel to get a sense of that vastness and that wildness. It really reminds me that though humans, you know, we're sort of ruling over Earth and, you know, destroying it a little bit with everything that we do, but there are certain places that if a human just goes and is cut off from technology, like we are just such helpless little flesh <laughs> bags. <laughs> we're really not much if you kind of strip back all the technology and connectedness, connectiveness. I feel like you might know what I'm trying to say, you know, that we experience um, from community really. Um, so I found that really interesting. It kind of just was a, like a switch in the way that you see the world. And I quite enjoyed that. Um, so yeah, I really loved all the scenery and stuff, just beautiful. Um, So I kind of mentioned before the show, jiu on the show is quite thrilling. Um, There's some very scary nail-biting things. You know, there's a lot of stuff with, you know, Yikung trying not to get burnt up by a fire and Hanjo, you know, stuck in a little burning shed and there's kids in there and you're like, Ew. and there is really enough death that happens in this drama quite often that you don't really feel like your main characters feel safe. You don't feel like all the side characters are safe. You really feel like something very, very bad could happen to anybody at any point. Um, and it does. It does happen to quite a few people at all sorts of points. So I think that yeah, it does make it like quite nail biting at times, or maybe that's just because I was watching it with other people and I really got, got into it. I don't know. So that was kind of fun. Uh, kind of connected to that, I suppose. I felt like the action was pretty good. Like I think, like, I'm not, you know, it doesn't have any impact on the plot, but it was quite interesting seeing how park rangers might fight a fire on a huge place, you know, a mountain like this, and seeing the helicopters go up and release the water, or seeing, you know, medics come up in a helicopter and try and save a hiker and attach them to one of those like weird pulley things, or, you know, see Yi in a harness climbing down a rock face. Like, all this stuff was really interesting, I guess, how they rescue people and what. What they do, and I found that quite fun, just the action of it, I suppose. And it's all quite, you know, large-esque, the kind of set pieces with massive fires or snowstorms or floods, and it's, you know, it's pretty epic. So I did enjoy that quite a bit. So I did thoroughly when I cut down to the core of what the mystery was. I really, really liked it. I felt like it was really hard to kind of concentrate on the mystery because there was so much going on and so many characters and so many potential culprits that it took me so long to even understand kind of what the crime element was in the story and what, what the mystery was that I should even be trying to unravel in my head. It was just really hard to keep up with everything, let alone guess why the things were happening, I suppose. Um, but in the end, the crime is actually a really cool idea. So basically, in the early 90s, um, there's this little village in Jerisan, so within the, the national park. So this village, you can't get there to these houses. It's teeny tiny unless you walk, unless you climb up the mountain trails. Um, so it's this tiny community who lived there. And I found this really, really interesting because obviously there would have been a lot of places like this, um, you know, I guess all over the world, but you know, in in a place like Jirisan too, the these places that are, you know, handed down between the generations for a long, long time that eventually end up, I guess, kind of frozen in the past as the world moves on and as technology sort of changes and as roads are developed and places are more connected, certain places remain cut off in the past. And I found that just really interesting to think about. So basically in this tiny little village um this dude turns up and this dude's like hey um for tourism reasons I'm going to build a big old chairlift through here and if I give you guys compensation I'd really love it if you moved the hell away and some of the people in the village are like hell no, like I've lived here for generations, this is my grandpa's house, this is, you know, this is my child's legacy, I'm not moving. But then a lot of the other villagers do want to move. And another thing I found really interesting was the difference, right? So the villagers who want to move, a lot of them are snake catchers or like herb gatherers. And we find out through the course of this drama that these are old jobs, these are generational jobs that people have been Performing in places like Jirisan for, you know, since the Joseon dynasty, or I guess before then. These are just very old professions. And these people have lived in these areas doing these things for generations upon generations. And yet, you know, the world has changed and Jirisan has been officially made a national park, which means it must be protected, which means, you know, national parks, you're not meant to break off leaves or cut down trees or take, you know, fauna out of those parks. You're definitely not allowed to take things from the park and sell them. So there's this really interesting sort of I don't know ethical conundrum really when you think about it in that makes sense. We've got to protect these last vestiges of like natural flora and fauna in our world as our cities grow bigger and bigger and our agriculture spreads, you know, we we need to have these wild places kept intact. Yet at the same time we're talking about people's livelihood, their, their rights to do something they've done their, their whole lives and their parents' lives and their parents' parents' lives. And suddenly they're told this is illegal. And what alternative do they have? You know, you live in a teeny tiny village on a national park that you can only get to by walking. And suddenly you're told that you're not allowed to do the one profession that you have. You've got no way of making money. So what, you move away with what money? You know, no one wants to buy your house because you live in the middle of nowhere. And it's, it's just a very interesting sort of look, I suppose, at um, progress, which is something I always find really interesting. And I think, you know, progress is obviously always going to happen. And a lot of the time there's this sort of idea in progress of the general good, And I guess that is how things sort of, I don't know if that's how they have to be, but there is this idea of obviously with every change that happens for the greater good and for progress, there are always people left behind or stuck in the gaps of, you know, I guess survival and and not being able to kind of move with those changes. And, you know, when you hear this, you're kind of like, yeah, fair enough, like that's really difficult situation to be in. So those are the villages that want to take the compensation to enable them to leave the mountain because they're struggling to eke out a survival there anyway, but they can't move unless they have the money. So they're pretty desperate people. But meanwhile, the head of the village is a beekeeper. And beekeeping, you know this is what he's been doing for generations, and that's a different kind of profession. So that isn't one that's been outlawed. It's in fact one that is being encouraged by the government. And the government is also offering like some sort of subsidized, I don't know, fee or payment to help kind of encourage more beekeepers because obviously bees are good for the environment. And I think they're natural, you know, like indigenous bees or something. I don't know. Um, so obviously the head of this village is like, absolutely not. I'm not moving. This is my home. I refuse to go. But the cable car can't go ahead unless everyone in the village agrees to all do it together. Um, so obviously the villagers who are desperate to leave get pretty pissed off and a whole bunch of shit happens that we don't really understand straight away, but eventually, little by little, we start to kind of catch on to this series of events. But basically, some people die, some awful stuff happens, and eventually everyone leaves the village, even though they don't get compensation. And the village is now just a dead, empty, abandoned place on Jirisan that is off limits and no one's meant to go. And um, But basically, this little boy who was part of that village, who saw some very bad stuff happen to his parents, his parents being the beekeepers from the other villages, um, starts taking revenge. And so it takes a long time in the drama to figure it out. But everyone who is being killed via, you know, fake accidents on the mountain all lived in this village back, you know, in 19, whatever, 91 or whatever the fuck it was. I don't know. So I really liked that. I thought it was a really interesting and quite a cool motivation to kind of figure out the connection between all these victims and then realize they all lived in this abandoned, creepy village on Jerisan and that something very bad happened there. But no one will talk about what it was. Um, So I really liked that. And I thought that was really cool. Um, so yeah, the crime was actually really good, and I did quite enjoy trying to guess who the suspect was the entire time and just not being able to figure it out and constantly thinking it was one of the main characters and in the end um and it's quite good because there is enough characters to really so that you just cannot guess in the end, it turns out to be this dude who's a historian who sort of turns up every now and then and helps them, and you know he's always like up there sort of um you know, I guess, recording about different historic sites on jiri because because um, apparently, you know, I guess uh, during the Korean War, pre-Korean War and after the Korean War, there was a lot of um, communists or like Korean communists uh, in the South. So like after, I guess, the, the break between North and South and stuff, um, who the, the South, South government, so South Korean government of that time was very anti-communist and murdered a lot of communists. There was a lot of people who ended up running into the mountains to hide and try and survive. And there is a lot of very scary, like massacres and really scary stuff that happens, um, that happened, I suppose, in places like Jirisan. And this particular historian is sort of marking these sites of historic note. Um, And of course, he ends up being this tiny little boy who lived in the village and saw his family get destroyed. um, And he's out for revenge. So I thought that was pretty creepy and pretty good. And I actually liked him. I liked who the villain turned out to be. And I liked that the drama told us enough about him and his backstory to enable me to feel quite a lot of empathy for him. And I don't agree with what he did. He's a bad dude. He murdered a lot of people. He was pretty crazy, but I didn't, I did think like I could understand. Ooh, that sounds really bad. I could understand the serial killer's motivations. That's not what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I'm not pro serial killing guy. I'm, I'm very against serial killing guys. That's what I'm trying to say. Not into it. It's bad. It's really bad. Uh, but I did like him and I did like the fact that when I saw his childhood, I felt a lot for him and I could see how this young boy who went through this intense trauma might have grown up into a very damaged and misguided, scary young man who's willing to do some really fucking awful things. So that was really interesting and kind of cool. Um, what else? So I liked uh, the actor Oh Jung-se from It's Okay to Not Be Okay. I liked his whole romance. I liked it so much, them getting together. Spoiler alert, didn't love it when young Son, his girlfriend, fucking dies later on. Didn't love that. That was really sad. The fact that they don't even find her body because it gets washed away in a flood. I was just like, oh, that really hit me in the stomach. It made me feel sick. It was really sad. Um, there was another character played by the actress gomin Min-shi. So she's, um, Go Min-shi's the female lead from Youth of May. She's also plays, um, Kim So-hyun's sister in Love Alarm and, uh, what's his name's? Ido hyuns sister. Yeah. In Sweet Home. Anyway, I really, really like Go Min-shi and she was, she was lovely in this. Like, really, she didn't have a big role. It's more of a cameo almost. She just kind of was dotted in a few episodes for a while. Um, But she's just so fresh and charming and just, just charming, I think is the word for her character in this. She's so lovely and smiley. And this drama is very serious. It's very dark. There's a lot of death. And I felt like she really stood out for just this very kind of bright, charming sort of character in her performance. So I really liked her. She doesn't last long. She gets totally fucking murdered. Um, which is why I think it is hard at the start to think of there being any connection between all the victims. And I think, you know, in hindsight, I think I would have liked it better if, the bad guy really was just killing people for revenge as part of his thing instead of just killing all these other you know killing gomen's character i guess she was what trying to look into his what he was up to but really she wasn't going to find him i don't think he really needed to kill her so the fact that he did a bit of that um i guess it just sort of throws you off the trail but it really muddies the mystery because it's too confusing, I think, for you to make those connections and try and guess why someone's done what they did. Anyway, sorry, I was just thinking aloud about the mystery. I'm always very, very interested in mysteries these days. I really, really like them and I like figuring out how they're put together and what makes a mystery good and what makes it bad because it all comes down to the execution and I think how that information gets released. And I find that very interesting to try and pick apart what works and what doesn't. So that was a thing that I didn't think totally worked, but anyway. Uh, oh, I was just said here, so um, I was very interested in the idea that a place such as Jirisan could have, you know, that has such a bloody past and such this long history of, you know, massacres and these terrible things happening, the, the idea that there's ghosts and there's bad places that are filled with, I think in Korea they say, Han, like deep resentment i don't know it's hard to i think if as a non-korean to fully understand the translation of like han but from what i've been told by friends and understand from dramas like that old, deep resentment kind of a thing. And I thought that was a really interesting idea. And I liked, I kind of wish I think that the drama maybe didn't have actual supernatural elements and had just been a crime drama with a lot of like, you know, natural disaster action thrown in. And then maybe just had that feeling of old places have old ghosts, but not hadn't actual Honjo ghost running around (laughs) doing shit on the mountain for no reason. Anyway, that's what I think. So I've said, yeah, I did like both lead actors and I thought they were both solid. So I did really like them. Um, I just felt that, um, John ji Hoon's ca- uh, character, like Yi Kang, the, the female lead was just a lot more fleshed out than Juji ji Hoon's character, Honjo, who was a see-through ghost running around on a mountain for no reason that I could properly fathom. Um, so I, I liked them both, but I wasn't emotionally fully invested. All right, I'll get on to some stuff that I didn't love. All righty, so stuff that I didn't love quite as much about Jerry Sun. I feel like I've been saying a lot of this stuff already. Um, I felt weird about the supernatural stuff. Um, my friend Lizzie kind of pointed out, was it actually necessary to have that in there at all? As in, does it? any of the supernatural stuff in this drama actually impact the plot in any way whatsoever. I really thought hard about this. And my conclusion is that no, it does not make a difference to the drama or the outcome of the drama or the plot of the drama, whether Hyunjo has visions or is a weird ghost or not, because he actually doesn't do anything because of those powers, which makes me think, that they could have just been removed and not in the drama, and I think I would have liked that more. Um, which is, and it's not because I don't like supernatural stuff or ghost stuff. I love that stuff; that's so good. But it just feels like such an afterthought to this story, and such a kind of a a side element that actually has no integration with the main progression of events. That it just feels completely unnecessary, and I just think unless you're going to make the fact that Honjo is a ghost a major plot point of this drama that's interwoven with the events, then why bother making him a ghost? Feels really weird. So, you know, as I already said, Honjo's visions never help him solve anything. So you could take those visions away. And then he gets in a coma and he's a ghost and he's walking around the mountain for like two years and he's trying to you know, help people solve the crime by showing them in little rock formations where the bodies are going to be. But it never, as far as I could see, stops any of the deaths from happening or does anything at all. <laughs> so I was like, I'm not really sure that there was any point in him being a weird ghost on the mountain. He could have just been in a coma or even just not been in a coma and just being part of the story. (laughs) So that was kind of weird. That was weird. Um, I've also said, uh, what was Hyunjo's backstory? You know, who was his family? Who was his sister? At one point we see that he's kind of maybe got a girlfriend, never mentioned again. I'm like, huh. Um, There's not really any romance between our leads in this at all. So like Yi Kang and Hyunjo. I'd love to say that I'm one of those people who doesn't need romance. Uh, I really like romance. I think romance is one of the main reasons that I watch K-dramas so much. And in saying that, you know, I have watched K-dramas without romance and been thoroughly satisfied. And one of my absolute most favorite dramas, two, two of my most favorite dramas in the whole world do not have romance at all or do not have a romance that I think is important or matters that would be, just in case you're interested, Watcher from 2019, um, which does not have romance. Crime thriller, amazing show. And also My Country, The New Age, which I think is from 2019 as well, hmm. uh, which is like a big, you know, the foundation of Jose and drama. And it does have a romance, but also who cared about the romance? Um, the bromance was where that drama was at. Amazing drama. I love it. So it's not like i romance is, has to be in there. If a drama is good, a drama is good. But at the same time, I am a big romantic. I love romance. It's why one of the reasons I love K-dramas so much. And I could have done with a bit of romance in this drama, I suppose is what I'm saying. <laughs> That's just personal. Um, so that, like I said, there's four timelines in this drama. There is the village in the early nineties that is, you know, all these people are fighting because of this cable car and they, half of them want to leave and half of them don't. So we get a lot of flashbacks to that. There is more flashbacks to 1995, which is when Yi Kung's parents and a few of the other characters um, go up the mountain during a flood and her parents die by getting washed away in a flood. Then there is a storyline that is, I think in 2000, 17 to 2019 or something. And that's basically when Hyunjo as a recruit just turns up and hangs out with Yi Kang and they start realizing there's a serial killer on the mountain. We also get flashbacks as well to Yi Kang's past as a younger girl multiple times. And then there is a what like a 2021 section in which Yi Kang is in a wheelchair and Hyunjo is in a coma, but also is a ghost at the same time on a mountain. (laughs) So, I mean, that's a lot of timelines, particularly at the start of the drama before you kind of get your head around what's going on. It really feels like just being pummeled by things happening rather than kind of getting your head around the story, I feel. I just felt like it was a bit hard to follow, but maybe that's just me. I don't know. And then I've literally written here floating sticks. Weird. So, I'm not going to hugely explain that. If you've seen the drama, I feel like you'll know what I mean. It wasn't a problem. I didn't really mind it. It was just kind of funny. At one point, Hyunjo the ghost is like moving around some sticks and a camera catches it. And then we just see these floating sticks. And I was like, huh, weird. (laughs) I don't know why it bothered me so much. (laughs) Very strange. All right. I'm going to talk about the end of Juri-san. I feel like I feel in two minds about the end. I feel that... I didn't want Hyunjo to die because that would have made me sad. I wanted him to wake up from his coma and be okay. But basically the drama gets to a point where Hyunjo's family turn up. They're going to turn him off. Like he's on life support. They've decided it's been two years or something, you know, they can't just keep doing this. He's clearly not coming back. And I'm pretty sure the drama finishes with like a finger going towards the turn off button. And then it flashes forward a year. And we spend a really long time hanging out with one of the characters who's wandering around being sad, which is, you know, it is really sad. It's very moving. And then we suddenly just flash to the top of the mountain and Ye Kung's walking around again, even though she was in a wheelchair a year ago for two years. So I'm just like, I don't know what happened to her. My impression was that she had become a paraplegic and broken her back. And if that was not the case, I feel like the drama should have let us know that she was like in physio and actually like the problem with her back was something different that could be worked upon because it felt very, very, very odd to spend an entire drama, 16 hours of a drama being like, this woman is a paraplegic. She can no longer walk. That is is how she is. And then suddenly she just pops up after climbing, you know, one of the biggest mountains ever. That's exhausting. And she's like, I'm all good. And I was like, what? And then the drama doesn't even explain. They're just like, she's all good. Don't worry about it. So I was like, all right, cool. I just won't worry about it. Kind of weird though, I thought. Um. And then of course, Hyunjo is also just turns up up the mountain and he's like, and also I'm not a ghost anymore. And I woke up, I guess, from my two year coma and everything's fine. And my parents did not turn me off. Um. So yeah, we get no explanation about either of these things, but also I'm still kind of glad that Hanjo didn't die. I feel like I would have been really sad. So yeah, that's it. There we go. Uh, so the best and worst thing about *Jerry Sun*. the best was once you actually drilled down into what the story was and what the mystery was, I actually think it was pretty cool. Um, I just felt like it was kind of difficult to get your head wrapped around everything that was going on to drill down to what actually was the plot. But once you do, I actually thought it was really clever. Again, not so sure about the execution. Um, what I didn't like the most is in hindsight, not so much when I was watching the drama, but in hindsight, I really didn't like Hanjo's visions because they had no impact on the plot and didn't help even once solve anything or do anything or even change anything. So I thought they were really, really dumb. And also in hindsight, I don't love that he was a ghost. And I feel like this drama just could have done away with the supernatural elements entirely. And maybe just tightened up some of the mad twisty other shit that was happening um so yeah that's it that's that's me complaining a lot sorry guys I complained a lot didn't I gosh anyway it's always just my personal thoughts um everyone's very different in how they enjoy things um but that's kind of where I was at when I watched Jiri-san the 2021 16 episode supernatural thrillery mountaineering drama <laughs> all right um, i'm i'm going to go i'm going to stop stop complaining in your ear now <laughs> brings me to the end of this week's episode thank you so very much for listening um thank you to everyone for listening but very special shout out as always to those lovely people that support the show on patreon you guys are amazing um and actually a very special um extra shout out this week to two new patrons um so thank you so much sarah van wardenberg and also julie deangelis you guys are amazing thank you so much for your support of the show i really really appreciate it um i really hope everyone enjoyed this week's episode i will be back next Next week with some more K-Drama. Thank you so much for listening. Bye.